Hello, lovely listeners. This is Courtney checking in to let you know that Jackie and I are currently working really hard on our fourth season. And in the meantime, we are going to go ahead and re-release some episodes for you to revisit, or maybe you missed some of them, and this is actually the first time you get to listen to them. Either way, we're so grateful you're here, and we cannot wait to share season four with you. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon. And welcome to Why Did I Keep This, a podcast about the things that have been living in the back of our closets or hiding in storage for way too long. The trend of constantly spring cleaning has forced us to face why we have such a hard time getting rid of things and examine our relationship with material goods. Hi, I'm Jackie Glick, a producer living in LA who's an avid window shopper and loves a sample sale. And joining me on the podcast are Courtney Venez an actor, video game streamer, and improviser living in L.A. with a colorful, quirky, and highly impractical closet, and Lana Cuthbertson, an entrepreneur living in Montreal who has an impressively strict one-in, one-out policy and who is working towards a closet full of timeless classics. The three closeteers on a journey through time and space. Welcome, guys. Oh, my God. Hello. to me and you and everyone. <laughs> It is a delight to see you guys. I think I'm really excited about our our stuff today. Um, Me too. Me too. Today's a good. Today's a good day. Today's something I want to to think about more, and it's a uh, it's something I love to acquire, hate to get rid of. Yep. Yeah, and heavy. Yep. Today's mm-hmm. a heavy topic. It is a heavy topic. Brace yourselves. Uh, today we are talking about our bookshelves, really, and. Our libraries. Our libraries. <laughs> Very fancy. I'm really excited about it. I just moved, and actually, the books are the worst part about moving. I think we can all agree. Without question, every time you move, you think, why do I have all of these books? Yeah. Why did I keep this? Yeah, books as a collection is like yeah. its own thing, for sure. At, like, yeah. Courtney, as you say, the library. <laughs> And the moving of the books, you're like, okay, wow, these books take up as a category more boxes than any other category in the move. Mm-hmm. They are heavier than any other category in the move. And I don't know about the two of you, but I um, lately have been engaging in the e- ebook library system, which is the absolute best. Could yeah. not recommend it more. And so most of the books that I own are from their like legacy, legacy things like, like university textbooks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know, there's a handful of them on my shelf that I will read still like, and probably forever, i.e. Harry Potter books. Um, But most of them I'm probably not going to grab. I do have some like reference books, like as a, there's still, you know, my, as, the MLA as a, padding. It, exactly. Like as a person <laughs> yes. who has been a writer as a part of her vocation on and off for most of the time, like I need the, you know, cap 
Canadian press caps and spelling book and like the style guides and um, even occasionally like here's how to put together a, a nonfiction piece of various kinds. Um, so, you know, those ones I have, but like I would say the majority of my book collection doesn't need to be there. And yet I, I still want it. It's very complex. I mean, there's something so nice about reading an actual book and not staring at a Kindle or an iPhone or an iPad or whatever it is you do your online reading on. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. there's something so convenient about just being like waiting in a waiting room and pulling out your phone and, and actually continuing reading. Um, so, you know, both of, uh, both of pluses and certainly both of minuses, but there are some books that you just keep on your shelf forever that you just will never get rid of that, you know, you also may never read again. Um, and those are the books we're going to talk about today. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. okay. The other little, the other trend that I want to uh, discuss briefly here as, as we're on talking about book stuff is, um, <clears throat> this past year is, uh, as, as many more sort of conference type things and panels and things have been remote and guests on these panels dial in from their homes. I have been noticing that the ones who really like think about this carefully situate themselves in such a way so that their library is behind them in oh, the mm-hmm. camera view. God. It looks so good. It looks so, yeah. so like envious of the people who are like, they're the, like behind their desk is this like beautiful library behind them. Behind me right now is it. <laughs> Uh, let's see, just a whole bunch of knickknacks and silly things. Like I, I, yeah. I sometimes, if I have a very important call, will put myself in front of the bookshelves that are not, that are built in, in the living room. And I like bring a a laptop table and I sit in front of it so you can see the bookshelf behind me. If it's a really important meeting, like I don't want, cause in my office, I have have a white wall behind me. Which is fine. I mean, it's not yeah. it's not so exciting or so crazy or messy or anything, but it's definitely not thrilling. Uh, behind me in this in this room is a whiteboard that I I bought as a gift for my partner for him to do his math on. <laughs> he'll like write equations on it and like loves it, but he'll also write jokes on it. So every now and then, one of us will be like sitting here in a call and not check the whiteboard first. And there's like a pair of googly eyes on sticky notes or like there's a weird (laughs) drawing or something. And um, it is not professional. (laughs) It's definitely the opposite of arranging myself in front of a bookshelf. But like the bookshelf background is classy. I I have to say, I I like it. I really do. Jackie, I'm so proud of you. That is such a good move. Like I'm, I I also have some built in bookshelves, but they're in my living room. I don't have like a little laptop table, but like, I feel like if I, if I have to do like a job, like a remote job interview, I'm stealing that idea. I'm, I don't care how uncomfortable or ridiculous it looks like on the other side of the camera. I'll be like, oh yes, I am the type of person who perches in front of my book collection. So then- you can't get rid of your books because not only are they individually interesting, but as a collection, they're sort of a like decor type thing. Like I, I see a status symbol. I think in these zoom meetings. And I find them to be very, um, they're totally a status symbol. They like communicate something 
And also the Beauty and the Beast library scene mm. is like imprinted in my head forever, uh, yeah. uh, you know, as sort of, um, I guess, pers personifying the magic of books and like the the vastness of a library space full of books. And then thinking about what's in each of those books, it just like multiplies worlds and it's cool. It's like a cool thought and it's, it's sort true. of a cool yes. idea to have a big library. Oh, it's very cool. Hard agree. Yes. Um Absolutely. I um I also want to say so the you know this past year uh, I've been spending a lot more time on like Instagram uh, and you know you Instagram has been used uh, as a way to like you know communicate information. I'll say that I uh, have started following you know scientists or journalists uh, on Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and I'll say that if they're standing in front of uh, a little library or a bunch of bookshelves, I'm like. I take them seriously. Like, it's not even like, it's a subconscious thing where I'm like, oh, wow, this person means business. This person reads books. I must trust them. Um, so, yeah. Totally. I've, I've, that's a realization I've just had now where I'm, I'm thinking of like a few people who are very, in my opinion, like very uh, smart, great communicators who I uh, use as resources. And if they are in front of bookshelves, I'm just like, oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you say. <laughs> I trust totally. you. Totally. I will say, though, that I have gone through some, like, occasional sort of culls of my books, you know, for the reason that um, there's just, you know, you run out of room eventually. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I was living in a number of small apartments in a row, even still. <laughs> and there's only so much room for books. So I have gone through and, like, gone and sort of done the like secondhand bookstore exchange stuff and yeah. library mm -hmm. donation. And like, that feels pretty good too, because there are lots of ways it feels like to keep books in the ecosystem. Like it's, it's, it, I have, I have thrown away one book ever, I think into the garbage. And it was because the library wouldn't take it because it was the front cover was completely ripped in half. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, "This book is just—if you don't want it, it's like you can give it to someone else, or it's just garbage." And so I threw it away. And it was—I think it was David Copperfield, and I think it was an English class textbook from university. Okay, yeah, right. there are plenty of copies of David Copperfield. It's <laughs> like that's definitely one of the like Barnes and Noble, like they did their own publishing of it that you can get for like five dollars. Like exactly, it's, it's one of those classics that's like. It's gonna always. It's gonna continue to be printed, and this this book was like damaged, like yeah. obviously significantly damaged. Okay, I, I don't feel too bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. It's just one of those weird things. You like you feel bad throwing away a book. Like I, yes, you know, absolutely. No, I get it. It's just like, oh my god, this is there's a whole there's a whole universe in these pages, and I'm just putting it in a trash can. But yeah, sometimes things are damaged. There's also like the aspirational books that you keep because you've never read them and you mean to read them, but you haven't actually gotten through them or you didn't like them or you you, you just keep them around because Infinite you want Just. To. Oh my God, Infinite Lana, Just. Same. That's exactly, that's so funny. I bought Infinite Just like many years ago uh, at a bookstore. Mikey recently picked, I think I've read the first page like 20 times. Um but Mikey picked it up like a month ago. He's like, I think I'm going to try to read this. And I re and I don't think he's, I don't think he's made a whole lot of progress either. It's huge. I have like, I have like two books that I oscillate between trying to read. And one is In the Skin of a Lion by Michael Andadre. Have you read that one? Mm -mm. I have read it. Yes. Is it good? Yes, it is good. 
That's what they say. That's what they say. I don't know. (laughs) It's good. It's good. That one and the English patient, they're like both good. I haven't read the English patient, but it's not really, that's not even on my list. I just always loved the idea of the book in the skin of a lion. And I always wanted to read it, pick it up every few months, every year being like, I should read this. And then inevitably don't somehow. I was gonna say, here's my thing with books is that like, Okay, you know, uh, you go to the pound and you're looking for an animal. Uh, you kind of need the animal to pick you out. I feel like the book needs to pick needs to pick me out. Like I can't like force myself when it comes to like reading for leisure. I can't really like force myself to read a book. It has to be like the right. I have to that book has to inspire me at yep. that point in time. So often I will buy a book because I'll know I want to read it. And I'm just like, you're not for me right now, but maybe sometime in the next decade, we'll sit down and we'll figure it out. And there have also been a lot of books that I've started to read. And I'm like, I can tell this is good, but I'm not in the headspace to read it yet for whatever for sure. reason. And then like in four years, I sit down and I'm like, this is exactly what I needed right now. Oh, beautiful. I love that. And like when you started talking about animals in the pound, I was like, where is this going? And I really love where it went. <laughs> it really worked out in the end. <laughs> it's very sweet. I I took you on a journey. It wasn't about it wasn't about the destination, okay? It was about the journey. Exactly. Um, yeah, I uh I when I lived in in Berkeley also th- there were a ton of like the used bookstores like the consignment bookstore places and that I mean I've talked about this before where I have a hard time getting rid of something because I still feel like it has maybe value I but that was great cuz I'd always do the store credit so I I got a little more and then I'd get new books and um and I love that but I haven't found a bookstore around me here in LA that that's quite the same thing so I've been holding on to all of them yeah, I do the same thing. In Edmonton, there's a bookstore chain called the We Book Inn. I don't know if it's beyond Edmonton. Anyway, so that's exact same exact same experience. But in Montreal, um, what people do, <laughs> this is very foreign to me. It, yeah, anyway, what people do in Montreal is they take things they want to give to someone who can use them and just like put them on the sidewalk, <laughs> like yeah. leave them there for people to grab. And the other day we found a beautiful box of fantastic books and my partner found a Kurt Vonnegut book that he just like immediately read the whole thing. It was like really good books in this box of books and it's a kind of a cool system when it works out that way. Yeah. There's a little library system in, in Toronto and maybe another and I think there's one in LA. I've seen a couple. Oh yeah. You the put little, like a little like almost like a bird feeder but full of books. I would really I would really get into that, I think. That would yeah. be really yep. cool. Yeah, they had that yep. in Berkeley too. The first time I saw it was in was What's in it Berkeley. Called? The free it's called li- like the like the yeah, the the little free library, I think is what it's mm-hmm. called. And it's like you can even though it's people just buy them and then they put it like in their front yard by the sidewalk. So if you're if you're taking a walk and you see a free library, you're welcome to like open it up, see what books are in there, grab a book. You're also welcome to bring a book and put it in there yourself. It's sort of just like a give take system. It's really Kind of lovely, actually. I love that. It's great. Yeah. You guys, you guys, this is a little maybe poor, t- poor manners of a podcast, but I have to go to the bookshelf. I, there's a book I want to read that I want to discuss, but I can't re- remember the name. Go get it. Go get it. Keep t- keep talking. We're recording. We can- okay, we're recording. <laughs> we can take this out. Oh, her headphones are off. She cannot hear could, us. Could take it out. Might not. Hang on. 
This might be a long episode. This might be Uh, – I'm realizing how much I have to say about it. Like – well, well books going- are just, they're just a special thing. They're a really special category. The other thing about books now is that they are digital and it's this sort of physical thing that has moved into digital space. Mm-hmm. So man, I'm you know, there's lots to unpack there, but I will say one of my, like one of the best inventions for me has been being able to borrow eBooks from the library yes. onto my Kobo e-reader mm-hmm. and for so many reasons, I love this. One, because you can find almost any book you want and put it on hold if you can't get it yet. And then like it's on hold and it shows up eventually and you can read it. Two, if the library doesn't have the book, I can recommend that they buy it. And in more cases than not, they do. And then I they automatically borrow or lend it to me. And then that's awesome. And then the third thing is that there's a three-week time limit on this borrowed book. So there's a deadline and nothing motivates me more than a deadline. Mm -hmm. And this like cycle. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then Courtney, you were saying that like sometimes books – you know, call to you at certain times, or they're sort of the right books to read at the right time or whatever else. I find that being able to immediately act on someone's book recommendation in a moment by going and finding it in my library ebook collection and either borrowing it or putting it on hold is like a way of building an ecosystem around that sort of recommendation system of books um, Mm -hmm. without then feeling bad if you sort of start a book and for some reason don't like it or don't want to finish it because you can just release it and it goes to the next person at the library who might really need it at that moment. Yes. I have always had like such a good relationship with libraries. Like I am, I also like, I wish I was better at reading full books on a device. Like I am, I'm not a person who I've tried. Like I had a nook for a while. Um, I just, I get easily distracted. So if I've tried reading on an iPad, I'll like start reading. And even if I'm like captivated, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I've opened up 15 different apps in the uh, time that I should have just been reading this book. So I'm really, I'm really big. I'm also just like in general, really big on physical media. Uh, Like I like to own the thing. Um, I like to have my copy of the thing because when you get something like if you buy a movie uh, online or you buy a music album online, uh, you're not actually buying that album. You're buying a license to use that album, which can be revoked at any time. That's actually happened a couple of times on like iTunes. Um, But with libraries, it's always just you're borrowing. And libraries are the best. Libraries are so vital and important to communities. So I love that they've adopted the system. I think it's been so important, especially during the pandemic. And I I did sign up uh, for, because I I do have an an iPad and I did sign up for my local library so I could do that. Uh, And I haven't necessarily gotten any better at reading books on on my iPad, but I think it's like, I know a ton of people who do, who it works really well for them. I like, I think it's so great. It makes me, I just have so much like love in my heart for libraries. Uh, I've always had like a library card. Um, I, I know I talk about Berkeley a lot, but Berkeley really had the best library I've ever been in my life. It is the, the main, like the central library in Berkeley. It was right on Shattuck street. Um, it's like, I think it was five stories tall. It was amazing. It had everything. It had so many resources for people. I loved going there to actually like physically find a book, pick one out, sit down, like read it for a bit. Um, Michael Chabon, the author of like Wonder Boys, uh, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, 
he actually has written many books there. Like he talks about he's a Berkeley resident and he's like written things there. And that, that adds so much charm uh, for me. And when a book means something to me, like I love just knowing that I have that story at my fingertips. Like I love, I'll just like go and like look at my bookshelf every once in a while. I'm like, look at all these books and like run my finger across like the, um, like the spine of my books or just sit and like think about what I'm like feeling. And you could do that at a library too. But yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. Yeah. I have a deep appreciation for books and I should get better uh, at reading them. But now that I am uh, working on my ADHD, uh, I should probably try and revisit the, the system, the, uh, the, the e-reader system. Let's go around and talk about why we think I pay for ebooks instead of. <laughs> I don't anymore. I don't. The only time I've ever purchased an ebook was when I had. I was given a Nook as a, um like it's a Barnes and Noble e reader. I don't even. I don't know if they're still around. But um, I I never actually used my own money to buy books. I was always given a Barnes and Noble like gift card. I guess that is technically my own money, but I never used like money that was like in my bank account. But like, why would I not have thought or remembered about libraries? Let's go around. Let's just, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, someone had to kind of remind me, like, so we, we consider this our reminder for you. I'm passing along this like reminder that as an adult, you can use a library. Yes. (laughs) And I I used to use it like in Toronto, which was like years and years ago when I lived there, but I didn't use it enough. And it probably like six years ago, um, might not have been the like same kind of technology. It's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. There are some e-readers. I think like <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Kindle does not allow you to download library oh, books. Absolutely, on it. it does not. Yeah, but the Kobo <laughs> does. So that's the one I have. And um, I, love that. I don't know I about the it. Nook, but uh, I like how yeah. confidently I said, "Absolutely, it does not." But I don't know that for sure. I just have a good <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Didn't do any research. Uh, so I don't know. Read, uh, listeners, if I'm wrong, uh, call me out. Um, do it. Amazon, Amazing. prove me wrong. Um, come on, Amazon. Come on, come at me. Am- Please don't come at me, Amazon. <laughs> bold, do bold. Um, um, Courtney, I very much echo your warm feelings about libraries. There's just something cool about them. So magical. Mm-hmm. The Seattle Public Library is one of my favorites that I've like twisted Oh yeah, that's to. beautiful. I've oh. been to the Seattle Library too. It's so neat. And when we were there, we like got to leave a little like treasure hunt for a, a, another friend who was going to be there right after us just by chance. And that was really fun. And oh I have a nice God. memory of that. And also when we were there, they made an announcement of this documentary they were screening that day that was like directly related to my partner's research at the time. So we like went and saw it and it was just, it was felt very magical. They drew, yeah. they really, libraries do feel very magical. And librarians are very helpful, knowledgeable humans. Like your library probably offers so much more than you even know. Like they have books, they have magazines, they have DVDs and movies that you could rent. Like they have classes a lot of the time. Like it's, they have, oh man, so many spaces where you can just be quiet, like quietly read. Like, do you need to get out of your house for a little bit? And it's Go, go to the library. Go to the library. Yeah. It's great. And like, let alone all the stuff for kids there. Like my niece and nephew, you know, love the library. And I'm pretty sure the Edmonton Public Library has like a makerspace with all these 3D printers that you can borrow and like make stuff with. And oh yeah, God. it's like, 
it's they're cool. Libraries are awesome. Books are awesome. I think we've thoroughly covered probably why we keep books at this point. Um, and Jackie, you ran to get a book, so I'm oh, really yeah, curious. I remember like, the other book that I I haven't read that I try to read maybe once a year. I like think, oh yeah, I should read that book. It's a hundred years of solitude. One hundred oh, years yeah, of solitude. Yeah, good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, won the Nobel Prize. It's supposed to be supposed to be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did read that one, and I remember it slightly better than the in the Skin of a Lion. But it is like it's it's the definition of magical realism. This is now Which I'm feeling sounding like absolute, snotty. <laughs> my absolute favorite. Like I love a book with magical realism. Why haven't I been able to read this? I'm not sure. And you know what I think it is. To be perfectly candid, tell us. is. The front page of this book has an incredibly complex chart. And by incredibly complex, I don't mean it. It's not that complex. <laughs> but it's just when when you have, like, I think I'm, I was always intimidated. I'd be like, okay, so this person married this person and his brothers. Like, And before you even start reading, I felt like I had to study the chart. And then I never really got through it. And then I'd start reading. I'd be like, I'd have to flip back to the chart. Which most people would find helpful, but me, I just get stuck and then I put the book down. Jackie, I get it. I do the same thing with books that start with maps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is there going to be a quiz? Like, oh. yeah. And it's like, it's more just like, yeah. So whenever there's like a thing like that at the beginning of a book, I don't even look at it beforehand because I'm like, this isn't going to mean anything to me for now. Like, let me read. And then if I get confused, I can, I can flip to the thing. That's why I feel like it should be in the back of the book. And there should be like a little reference where it's like, for like a family tree, go to page, you know, index page two or whatever, or like for a map, like map on. Yeah. That's totally. Should we do do a section before we get into our specific books that we keep copies of? Um, Should we do a little, like, what was the best book either ebook or real book that you guys read during the last year, maybe during the pandemic. Yeah. Let's talk about books that we, I would be so down to talk about books that we've read over the year. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pick one. Um, I'll go first. (laughs) Self-nominating. And it's funny because I made this year about reading partly because I was like, okay, we're going to be locked down in Canada for the entire year. No matter where I am, it's going to be winter for a long time. <laughs> um, so I like, I built myself like an actual little nook. I I got a new chair just to try to make myself feel better and like cozied up in the corner. It's sort of now partly my, it's like my office and my little library nook spot. It's And it's not even a room. It's just really a corner of the living room. But anyway, um, so I really like made this year about reading and it was great. And I read a number of good books, but one that I really recently read that was just absolutely amazing is called cast by Isabel Wilkerson. And it's amazing. It's, it's truly, I highly recommend it. I've been working my way through lists of books recommended at the time of the black lives matter protests in the summer and like really trying to, and like learning a lot, really learning a lot and like working through my own like whiteness and trying to understand that like, it's just been a really interesting time. Um, But, and so this book kind of fits into that, but it's uh, Isabel Wilkerson is an American journalist and she kind of compares 
the India India's caste system, which is sort of, I think, what most people think of <clears throat> when they think about caste systems. But she makes the case for um, America having a caste system between white people and black people and indigenous people. And that's amazing and draws direct comparisons. And the third comparison point is Nazi Germany with the like very quick uh, establishment of a caste system um, considering Jewish people and Jewish Germans and Eastern Europeans and compared to sort of the Aryan people. Like it's just, it was just, it was, it was to, to think about these things in, in terms of a caste system and and understanding what caste means and what kind of construct it is was just very very eye-opening for me and very very interesting and the book was just very well written and great and i'd highly recommend it so that's my piece that sounds great i really want to check that out oprah really liked that book too (laughs) (laughs) she was right this time she was right my opinion (laughs) courtney what did you read this this year so this one book that I read um, was Circe by Madeline Miller. Uh, and it is, it's so, it's very good. And the reason I'm saying that is because it also sort of leads into what I'll talk about a little bit later uh, on why I kept this. So Circe is the story of a um, nymph, a sea nymph uh, from Greek mythology, who has a very, very minor role in the Odyssey. Um, and basically... Uh, Odysseus ends up on on this island where Circe lives, and she turns all his men into pigs. Um, and it's just this little snippet in the Odyssey. It's this little bit. It's this thing that happens like, oh, dang it, my men are pigs. We'll figure this out. Um, but this whole book is from her point of view. It's uh, it's just like the story of of her life. And, um, and then Odysseus is actually like him showing up to her isn't even – like what her story is about. It's just like a fraction of it. So it's really great. It's taking this, uh, like it's putting like a, a female woman character uh, point of view first. And uh, it's so beautifully written. Uh, Madeline Miller also wrote The Song of Achilles, which I haven't read yet. It's on my list. Um, but yeah, it was it was so beautiful. It was some of the most beautiful prose I've ever read. And it was for a lot of reasons. I like really, really loved it. Could not put it down. That sounds so fun because I really, I read the Odyssey in grade 10 uh, IB English and I read every other chapter and I had no problem putting it down. So I'm, I'm excited to read it from a new perspective. Yeah. That would be really great. Yeah. I ha- you can borrow it. I've got it. I'll bring it to you. You will love it. I just put a copy on hold at the library. Oh my God. I'm e- so excited for a book club. <laughs> oh my God. A book club. Um, That's great. That's cool. I, I, I really didn't like the Odyssey, but I'm excited about this one. <laughs> Lana, did you like the Odyssey? <laughs> I I can't say I liked it. The 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 word like doesn't feel appropriate. <laughs> I appreciated it, I guess. I don't know. It's like I don't know. I guess writing something that long is an achievement. <laughs> um, Jack, um what was your book that you read and loved? And then after do you want to jump into your why did I keep this? Oh my god, Courtney just lifted up the Iliad. Um, yeah, I my book that I loved this year. I've read a couple that I really loved, but the one I'll I'll uh, showcase is a book called Ghosts by Dolly Alderton. 
And it is a fiction novel about this woman in her 30s who is um, coming out of a sort of a hiatus of dating and she decides to go online and and encounters some interesting uh, dudes. And it is just such a beautiful book about female friendship and being at different places in your life and um, supporting each other. It's funny. It's sweet. It's like, you know, heartbreaking at moments, but it's really, it's ultimately just such a lovely slice of life book about this really interesting young woman. Who, what, who's the author? Her name is Dolly Alderton. Okay. That, I really like that name. Like the sound of that name, Dolly Alderton. Like it just kind of like rolls off your tongue. This is great. Sorry. I had no idea I was going to get so like hyped to talk about uh, books know. on here. And this is like, I'm just jazzed. It works in our podcast because there's a lot of things you're like, why did I keep this? Like those two books that I keep that I, I haven't read, you know, there, there is a real, why did I keep this element? Oh yeah. And I'm excited. What is your, is the Iliad the book that you wanted to talk no, about today? No, it's not, but I have it. The Iliad is just on my desk right now. So the Iliad is on my desk. There is a good reason I can get into it, but the two I brought, I have two books here. Uh, so I have mythology by Edith Hamilton and the Aeneid of, uh, Aeneid of Virgil. Um, so let me talk about why I have these one. Uh, so Edith Hamilton, this was required reading for, uh, like a, like my senior English class. I just, you know, in middle schools, when we first learned about Greek mythology and I always really liked it, but I just like, really, I love, I loved getting into like the more adult versions of the myths um, and how much like darker they were. And it was also fun to read all of these stories and and myths and um, just realize like how much uh, it's influenced sort of like our art and our culture and like what we, what we see uh, in the Western world today. And I've always just like, I love, I've loved Greek history. When I first went to college, I, really wanted to major in in the classics. And I took a couple of, uh, and that's why I have the Aeneid. And this, I specifically wanted to talk about the Aeneid. So I wanted to talk about this because I've had this exact copy of Edith Hamilton's uh, mythology. I've had this since I was like 16 years old. Um, and I've used it multiple times throughout my life. It's actually a book that I've referenced Uh, I've referenced in college. I like, I've referenced when I've like tried writing things. I've uh, like heard things. I'm like, I think I've heard of that myth before. And I've gone over here and I'm like, yes, I have. It's right here. Um, And I also recently did a um, a voice in a game called Hades. Uh, I did two voices in it. I was the voice of Aphrodite and I was the voice of the little, um, basically a Medusa character. So and that incorporated some myth. And so I've actually like, I'm like, wait, what was that myth? And I've gone back here and I've like read it. And it's, it's just, I really love this book. It means a lot to me. Uh, I've had it for more than half of my life at this point in time. And uh, I, I don't, I'll, I'll never, this is a book I'll actually never even loan to someone. Like I, part of the reason I keep so many books is because I like being able to loan them out. And this is like, nope, this is mine. But the Aeneid, I got this book. It was for a class that I was taking my first semester at college called God's Goddesses and Heroes, Greek and Roman Literature. And we had to read the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Oresteia or the Oresteian Trilogy. Uh, we read about like like uh, Electra. 
Electra, and I can't even remember, but we also were supposed to read the Aeneid, and there was just a lot of reading happening for me that semester. Those are very long books. That Those you are have to very read. long books, and that was one of four classes I was taking. So this book didn't get read. I did not read the Aeneid, and so I have held on to it. Also, this is like um, I was, I did not have money in college and we had, to, I had to buy all these books. And as opposed to buying the one that was like my professor told us to buy, I just went to like, uh, I was in Portland, Oregon and there's a very famous bookstore called Powell's. It's huge. It's like a whole city block. And I just bought the, uh, I bought the cheapest, uh, the cheapest Aeneid that they had. Um, and I could tell when people, like everyone had the same book and they'd be referencing pages. And I was like, nope. So anyways, I just never I never read it and I still haven't read it, but I've kept it because I'm like, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the Aeneid on my own. Maybe, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe but. you will. Lynn, did you take classics with me in first year university where we like just sat in a dark theater and the prof just like told stories as class? I vaguely remember, remember that. Yeah, that sounds And it was familiar. like one of the hardest classes we've ever taken because it was our first year and it was everyone else's like fourth year. Yes. And they were much better writers than we were yes. at that time. I do remember it was like one of those sad moments of like really enjoying a class, but it being too hard and then getting a bad mark. Yeah. <laughs> like compared to that was my, that was, I think one of my worst grades in university. Yeah. Cause we were like, really, it was a curve and we were up against all the senior, like fourth years. Yeah. Anyways. Yep. I remember that. And uh, I think that's a nice book to keep Courtney. It's, it's, you know what? It's actually like a, I think it's a kind of a cool looking book. It's very vintage. It, lo- it definitely looks like something that uh, was published in like the sixties. It's got the beautifully like yellowing pages. Someone else's notes are in here, uh, oh, which I beautiful. love, which is going to be very fun. It has a little um, price tag up on the top. That's for a dollar 95. This book was at one point a dollar 95. Um, um so the, yeah, aspirational, aspirational. The marginalia phenomenon, and then by extension, the history of the physical book has been a deep fascination of mine. And Jackie, now I'm wondering, did you and I take like book oh, yeah. history together? Yeah. Yeah. With Ted that Bishop, was the right? greatest class. Ted oh. Bishop remains one of the greatest professors of all time. He was so cool. He was so, so cool. cool. And he, he was writing at the time a book on the history of ink. And for some reason, I found that to be the most fascinating decision I've ever heard of. Like the most academic man, like wore tweet all the time was just so cool and took us to the special collections library all the time. It was amazing. And like ancient books, like, oh my God, if libraries are magical, the ones that are full of ancient books are the most magical. And Ted Bishop taught us all about that and opened the door to that world for us. And I'm grateful. He even took us to, to a book binder to learn about how books are bound in the Mm -hmm. olden days. And like, I mean, now in sort of a smaller scale, he's written a book called, I think it's called riding with Rilke. And it's a book about how he rides (laughs) his motorcycle and is also basically an English professor. And it's like Ted Bishop, cool dude, Jackie, what is your, why did I keep this? So my why did I keep this today is a little bit funny because it's a book I constantly replace because I give it to people when they come to the house and they want to read something or they're on vacation and they need a book for their return flight or something like that. It's one of the books I give away the most, but I constantly replenish. 
just so that it's on the shelf because it's my favorite. I, in fact, actually, I just gave it, I don't have one right now because I gave it to my mother-in-law when she uh, flew back to the UK. Anyways, uh, the book is called The History of Love. Has anyone read it? No. I think I have. It's by Nicole Krauss. It's such a beautiful book. The History of Love, is the name a little bit cheesy? Yes. Is it about the history of love? No. It's a sort of intergenerational story centering around the Holocaust, but about this young girl who is in present day in New York City. And it is such a beautiful book. Her parents in the book are translating the original text into English. It's just so great. It's so good. It's like a million stories all bound into one. And it is incredibly talented and skillful writing because it's so woven, you know, one of those books that just follows so many different things. And I read it for the first time. My friend Nomi recommended that I read it. So I went home from work one day and I started and I think I finished it that night, but went to work the next day with the puffiest eyes, like just sobbed all night reading this book. And then it was like, why didn't you warn me? So this is a warning that it's a beautiful book, but you might need a box of Kleenex. And if you have to go to work the next day, you know, maybe bring some cucumbers along for lunchtime. (laughs) Amazing. I I love the mental image of like being in a cubicle with like cucumbers on your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We worked in an art gallery, which, um, (laughs) you know, everyone was just like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just, I think we're going to have to do a couple episodes on, on books. Cause I'm looking at the time and we are running over what we normally do. And I feel like we're just getting started. Um, and we still need to hear from Lana. What Lana, is what's your you book? Came? Okay. In five minutes or less, um, <laughs> I have a series of four books that I brought to the, to share today. Um, they are called the, Oh, what are they called? The Song of the Lioness tri- uh, Quad? Quadrilogy? Quad <laughs> um, yeah, it's not a trilogy. It's a quadrilogy. <laughs> quad- quadrilogy. Anyway. That's the word of the quadrilogy. day. Song of the Lioness books. Um, they are by an author named Tamora Pierce. Tamara Pierce? I don't remember how to pronounce her name. I don't know if I ever knew. Uh, first one is called Alana, the First Adventure. The next one is, is called... It like Alana or Alana? Alana a, with two okay. with two N's and an A at the beginning. So it's kind of so like not, my name, but not, not about singular Alana. Alana. <laughs> so they won Lana. Alana, the first inventor. No, Alana. Uh, Alana of Trebond um, or Trebond or Trebond. I don't know. I read these books and I don't know how they're pronounced. But anyway, second one is called In the Hand of the Goddess. The third is oh, The Woman Who Rides Like a Man. And the fourth <laughs> is Lioness Rampant. And I read these books as a girl and I absolutely love them. And it's it basically, a, it's like a, the main character is Alana and she really wants to be a knight, but only boys are allowed to be knights. So she has to pretend to be a boy to become a knight. And the first book is like her sort of dressed up as a boy and like passing as a boy. And then eventually it comes out that she's a girl and she becomes famous in this kingdom, like mystical land. And it's like fantasy novels, but feminist for kids novels. Um, and I just like loved them as a kid. I, I read them multiple times. Um, I haven't read them in years and years and years, but I've hung on to them 
nonetheless, uh, just because they were like so meaningful, I guess, to me as, as a kid. Um, and also probably was an early like feminist thing. But then I also think like <laughs> in parallel, this just this afternoon, I'm in the middle of reading a book called White Feminism um, by uh, by Koa Beck. And it's fascinating. And it's like, I'm thinking all about like, am I a white feminist? Like, how do I play into this whole world of white feminism and like trying to understand that better? Um, And part of it is like, all these books are about this woman who like strives to be part of a man's world, essentially the patriarchy to achieve sort of what she wants and achieve equality. And this white feminism book touches on a lot of things. But one of the things it talks about is like, why are women striving to be like men and and get what men have in order to achieve power and equality? And just thinking through those things is like, wow, there's lots, lots in here. But anyway, I don't know why I've kept them. Like, I, I'm not, I'm probably not going to read them again. Maybe I will, but probably not. Partly, I think I'm now maybe waiting for my niece to get old enough to read like chapter books. <laughs> they're like, you know, they're chapter books. Um, they've got chapters. It's like, yeah, they've got chapters. They're chapter books. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I've just kept them, kept them, kept them, kept them. And like, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, I've gone through a few culls of the bookshelf and these have never left. And partly I think like, they're not very well known. Like, I just haven't seen them around and people don't maybe talk about them necessarily. So I don't know where I would find them again if I wanted to. Um, Yeah. And they're just, uh, they're like probably, I guess, formative early books for me. And that's why I've kept them. Hmm. Yeah. That's nice. Oh man. I might even read these again now that I'm bringing them up. This is, this is a, I love it. Well, I mean, maybe we'll do another book episode in a couple of months or something, because this was really fun. And, and, you know, unlike shoes, you're allowed to have more than, you know, 50. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a, I feel, yeah, I feel like books are kind of social currency. I mean, I guess clothes kind of are too, if you're that kind of person. But it's like, if you say you're like, you have hundreds of books, or if you have hundreds of shoes, people are going to look at you differently with those two sentences. Yeah. And books are disconnected from capitalism a little bit, which like somehow feels better than, I don't know. Books are like a, it's like a gift that keeps giving. I don't know. I guess I would describe some of my clothes like that too, to be totally honest. Um, Yeah. Books. I mean, books are about like growth. Books are about like getting better. Books are about thinking. Books are, you know, so much effort was put, like I have never come close to writing a book before. Like they are works of art. Like there's so much to appreciate about them. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Books are they're like little mini vacations. You know. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful note to end on. I love that for us. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for uh, bringing your books to the table today. And. Thank you to Akshay, our producer. Thank you to Genevieve Vincent for a snazzy composition. And thank you to you, our listeners. Finally, we would love to thank the Bolero for being fashion's most practical invention. Follow us on Instagram at why did I keep this for visuals of the things we kept. Let us know in the comments if they belong in the trash. Until next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.